0: Wow, I love the single sentence description. Um, of what? Of you. Get ready for it. It's a, it's a, there's a lot, of, a lot of words in it. I've got no idea what's in front of me at this moment. So yeah, I oh, I, uh, Phil, it's going to blow your mind.
1: <coughs>
0: Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Uri, and alongside me is my co host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. And today we are joined by Phil Ives. Hi Phil, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Phil, it says here you are business development partner at Bean Partners, a corporate finance and business intelligence advisory firm that provides middle market with intelligence-led strategy to support growth, fundraising and M&As. Would you agree? Yeah, snappy, eh? The thing I like about your CV most too is uh, you, you've gone from actor producer to entrepreneur to to now thought leader. It's quite quite some distance. You've travelled... Of, of what you do currently, what's your sort of what's your main focus at the moment?
2: My main focus is business development. We are on a uh, a very serious growth spurt, deliberately so. But we've got a long way to go to where we want to get in three years' time. So, uh, functionally, I uh, do my best to lead the charge to grow the client
0: base and uh, uh, scale up. What does that mean exactly? Lead the client base of whom you are what providing these services? Of- yeah, exactly. So ambi- ambitious. Business
2: owners, business founders, on- entrepreneurs who themselves are serious about either growing or getting growth funding or ultimately getting a successful exit.
0: Okay. Okay, and then you would take them on in what kind of way? you take them on almost like a corporate financer, is it, or no?
2: Yeah, well, yes, ultimately. There are three parts of the business. The, the, the original business, the core of the business is a corporate finance business, so buying and selling, more selling, but some buying. Over the years, we uh, had increasing numbers of conversations with clients who said, well, we could really do some growth capital if we want to realize our ambitions to sell for what we want. So we got into that. And underpinning both of those parts of the business was our ability to do really deep research and intelligence, uh, which we've now taken into the consulting space, and it's a, it's a key point of difference between us and what the majority of other M and A houses do. So, actually, an ideal client for us on many levels is one that we start to work with two to three years out from a, from an exit, so that we can. So they're help thinking,
1: them yeah, one day I want to exit, but right now I just want to grow my business.
2: Sometimes it's that, or. Um, some of the more enlightened ones that we meet, they, they absolutely crystal clear they do want an exit and they're conscious that they may well have two to three years' worth of work to do in order to be able to realise that and not fall into the trap that, uh, frankly, the majority of business owners do when they go to a corporate finance house, which is say, oh, we're ready to go now, and then they find out they're not.
1: What? You're, we're not? <laughs> what rubbish. And
2: unfortunately, they very often find that out once they've started a process to sell rather than somebody telling them, do you realise you're probably not saleable?
1: when they discover the big holes in the plan. Yeah, and
2: then they've the plan. got two to three years' worth of work to do at the point of which they might have been out of energy at that point.
0: I was reading something or listening to something about how sort of building a business constantly to exit is, is sort of not necessarily the best thing for businesses, as it were. Is that, do you think that's a fair comment?
2: Uh, well, no, I come at it from the other side, actually. Um, <laughs> having uh, built and ran and sold three of my own businesses, or as I now say, built, ran and given away three of my own businesses, uh, I'm very clear that starting with the end in mind can be kind of effective. And I also know that even if actually an exit, if you're a family business, for example, or something like that, and an exit's not really on the cards, well, actually, that which makes a business valuable is that which also makes it scale better and be more sustainable and less dependent on people and more of a pleasure to run.
0: S- say that last bit again. So the, the 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 sort of business that's what not you can't really exit is also the sort of business even that not Even if scale. you're not
1: selling... Yeah. you still might as well go through the process because it's going to get you to a better place.
0: Okay. Yeah, you get a more sustainable, scalable business, yeah, that's less dependent on any individual. It's more... It's like boot camp. It's the sort of boot camp for businesses, really, in terms of it's it's, it's cutting the crap because no one's going to buy you unless you're amazing. You know. Yeah,
2: I mean, what people are buying is future growth, right? Um, so if you've built a business that clearly has future growth in it and you don't want to leave it, well, then sit there and enjoy the future growth.
0: I don't know, there's a real problem with the process, isn't there, as a whole, you know? As,
2: as a whole, as, as an industry general statement, I would say completely utterly. And, you know, let's, you know, let's be honest here. The majority of corporate finance houses, their business model means that they'll take on, on some level, any old client and they'll chuck them out into the market and work on the basis that hopefully two or three of them will stick and they'll get some kind of deal and they'll get some kind of fee and
0: that's okay. And take a retainer for the downside.
2: Well, some some do, some don't. But yeah, it's, it's essentially they go, oh, I've got a lovely black book with lots of names in your industry. I know everyone. That's what they say, which is utter bullshit. Uh, hence our um, emphasis on the research and the data.
0: Um, yeah.
2: And it's a, bro- it's a broken business model. MA is is broken.
0: But I mean, yours is more like, yours is bespoke. You're going to come in and look at my business and give me a kind of, brutal view of your analysis and I can pay you what just to come in and give me that analysis.
2: Yeah, we do. We do a one-off a piece of work for businesses that want that um, that, that view. Isn't we,
0: that the place to start it sounds it, like. It's no. the
2: kind of Trojan horse Yeah, and that's, it's, yeah. it leads to other things for us. But yeah, that is the place to start. Uh, if I had my time again, that is exactly what I would do is, is get clear. Where, where am I today? Where do I want to get and what's the roadmap to get there? It's not... It's not a crazy thing to do, but yet most of us, you know, don't, don't do it. When I ran businesses, I didn't cross my mind. What, to get were, my head clear what on this.
1: were the kind of what businesses were you running? What were the kind of things you were into?
2: I was into B two B media. He said, which is the grandiose way oh, of talking about conferences and exhibitions and content and some publishing
0: and and those kind of lovely things. What would you say at the moment is keeping you up at night, as a within your business or you know outside of it, even?
2: Uh, I try not to let the outside world keep me up at. At night. Uh October's just been our best ever month.
0: So okay. in how many years? Fifteen. Fifteen. I years. find
1: that amazing, given what is going yeah, on we've got right more now. Mandates on in the, the macrocosm, whoa, 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 whoa! People can't raise
0: money at the moment. You are saying they it's better than ever? Or I'm not saying it's better than ever. I'm it's saying it's cheap in England.
2: we are better than ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fantastic clients with very viable businesses and business propositions. And uh, if you if you're clear about what an ideal client is uh, and who you want to work with, and there's there's still capital out. Do you out turn
1: there. a lot of people down?
2: Increasingly so. As you know, we're, we're like. Is uh, it fun? yes can be because one particularly, <laughs> particularly when the reason we turn them down is to do with their. let's use a business bullshit word they're psychographic
0: oh is that what that's called
2: the yeah, people yeah so if we go you're going to be difficult to work with
1: psychographic I've never heard that yeah, before yeah
2: so you just know they're going to be high maintenance and they're going to sort of Oh, just look yeah, at everything as being a problem. and it, Yes, exactly, as opposed to being open-minded to the fact you might have something sensible to say as an advisor and all those kind of things. So we get Why clear and clear. Do you <laughs> tell that, do you? Do you use the word psychographic, do you? Uh,
0: if you feel, well,
2: not, not God, necessarily. God, I wonder if we but, can
0: use that as professionals. I don't know. Well, it's if, you know, if
2: you really bottom out, who's your ideal client? I mean, to me, part of that has to be understanding what the psychographic of your client
1: is. Yeah. And part of me thinks, and I do wonder this as a lawyer, although it's more obvious as a lawyer, is why the hell they bother to come to you in the first place if they've already decided (laughs) that you're going to give them shit and they're going to have to give you a load of money for not very much. Why do they bother? With lawyers, I can kind of get it because... People, for certain things, Absolutely. people are like, you
2: have to, you have to have a lawyer. Yeah. I think, you know, mate in the pub has said, oh, you should go and talk to some, co-, you know, if you're going to do this properly, you know, go and check out some corporate finance people. Mm-hmm. And then they come at it with a, totally with a cost mindset, not an investment mindset. To we'll your point earlier, Andy, you know, if they can't get their head around why we are worth our fees, mm-hmm. and despite explaining it, if, if you can't get somebody to understand
0: that, then they're not for us.
2: Yeah. I mean, we are
0: proud of how few deals we've done over 15 years. Okay. And is that, but that's your, ultimately the the core focus is buying and selling business. Underneath it, is it? And everything else sort of, you've realized we need these add-on or we have these add-on services.
2: Yeah, I mean, they stand alone as their own business units, but uh, the core of the business still, you know, the personal motivator, let's let's be honest here, uh, for me and my partners, all of us are, are what I call recovering entrepreneurs. Okay, we're, we're none of us chartered accountants. I've got no issue with chartered accountants.
1: But I've got issues with chartered accountants.
2: That's, that's yeah. the oh, typical portfolio finding a time. corporate plan. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're recovering entrepreneurs who are on a mission um, to help business owners realise that they have far more control on their potential outcomes in life from an exit than most uh, actually realise in the first place and then realise in, in reality when a deal doesn't come along.
0: Okay, that's very good. So, um, what, on average, you're doing, what, a few deals a year?
2: A few deals a year, um, and we, are, I'm so proud of saying this, and we only bottomed this out uh, two weeks ago when we had an internal conference, but we are the direct flip of the Forbes statistic. So, 90% of the business, businesses we nice. we have taken to market complete. Okay.
0: What's your dating techniques then? What, you meet them for an hour? You do analysis internally for a little bit or? Uh,
2: yes, so, so we, we have very clear cl- client criteria. So, you know, if, if you're a tech, if, if somebody wants growth funding, for example, you know, they, they need to be looking for a certain amount of money. They need to have a certain uh, level of ARR, annual recurring oh, revenue. Yeah, of course. 10. What do we what, number one? 100%. Uh, sorry, one 1 million, 100%
0: growth um, for the last couple of years. That's the one that will be like a billion pound business in seven years as, or something they all are of course yeah yes, absolutely. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so some of that doesn't some of that's say really... disruptor in the first meeting <laughs> oh God, don't. We, we can come up with our, our own with comedy criteria that could be quite effective i think you know but hence hence we can do that first piece of work for anybody but at the,
2: at the end of doing that we then are very clear which ones we are interested in trying to take to market or not
0: and then market is what you're all recovering entrepreneurs. So you get on get on the blow of people you know, or you just you 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 keep a very good inventory of the VCs and people and the relationships there, and kick all their doors down. What well, all of them separately, kind of thing, is it? You know. Well,
2: it's I mean all, all that stuff. I mean the, the classic corporate finance thing is the partners just continue to work their black books. Now historically that is how we've done things, but we have become much much more functional uh, over the last couple of years when it comes to sales and marketing. So my background in running. B2B media businesses is they're very sales heavy, very marketing focused. Businesses, so we've brought that into being partners with dedicated resource. Uh, and it's you know it's not a complicated mathematical formula that if you do certain levels of activity,
0: you get certain levels of You get of certain
2: results. levels of incoming
0: inquiries. You're not building a talking. platform or anything. It's it's a, it's a question of just getting out to your phone book sort of thing. Uh,
2: well, no, we are we are absolutely building a, a, okay. a, a platform as well a, alongside. The, the less I have to work my black book, the better. That's not something I want to do for yeah, the rest of my career. Do you
0: have ideas about how it could it be improved, or do you think? That at the end of the day, you'd end up back to where you started. You know. Well, I
2: think it's a couple of things. So, yeah, there are things in the in the process, but I think you've got to be careful of over processing the whole thing. Having a plan is one thing. Having a process is another, and the plan needs to supersede the the process. I think, to me, that the most interesting part of the conversation, which we have absolutely experienced in our business in the last eighteen months, is just simply how we look at all this. Mm. So, the classic way of looking at a deal is that it's going to be tricky, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, blah blah blah. Can I can I just tell you a quick story in, in relation to this And, and it uh, relates to the health tech business that I mentioned earlier that we sold, Uh, earlier this year. Um, When the owner uh, came into our offices about three weeks after the deal had completed, and he'd got 15 mil for his business rather than the eight he'd originally been offered. So pretty happy, pretty happy. happy. And I said to him,
0: congratulations. Can you buy me lunch? And he said, no. And
2: I (laughs) I said, congratulations. How, you know, how was it? And he said, you know, the most amazing thing was it was all really easy. All my mates had told me who've sold businesses, oh, prepare yourself for the worst six to 12 months of your life and all these kind of things. Now, just to marry this up, 18 months before in Bean Partners, we'd had one of our internal conferences where I had challenged uh, one of the guys that runs our corporate finance desk because I could see he was running that mindset around this is difficult, which is what has, I've been a partner in other corporate finance businesses. That's how everybody looks at it. Um, and I said, well, what if we chose, what if we set a different context set? This is going to be easy. What do we completely reframe that for ourselves? And bless this guy in the in the team. He took that incredibly seriously. Reframed his job, his day to day role, his day to day activities for himself. He ran the process. Somehow we found the right kind of client who had the, exactly the right psychographic, and the, the word was easy. And that was the word the business owner played back post transaction. So to me, that that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, there's something really profound. In, in, you weren't in
0: setting yourself up for a fool and setting expectations wrong. There, you what by taking a positive mental attitude, you know, you feel that you can you can reframe it and say, "Hey, hey this is not a problem. It's all about how you see it." Yeah. What's, what's
2: the easy way of de- dealing with? It? We, we don't work the kind of you go into most corporate finance houses. You know, the guys are at the desk till 9, 10, 11 at mm-hmm. night, and we don't do that. Sure, we'll do a late one if we have to to get a deal over the line. But guess what? We
0: don't do that. I, I like that because I'm really sick of this fucking everyone playing macho man. Oh. You know, Christmas time. Oh well, we're gonna work. All good. I had this exact conversation once with the lawyer on the other. Can I just be realistic? I want to fucking cancel Christmas. This all seems ridiculous. Can we just set a more? And he obviously was like, "Well, no, obviously, I'll do whatever." It turned out he had a skiing trip booked. You know, this yeah. this twat who was trying to make me look like an arsehole in the meeting. So it came up to Christmas. He just fucked off anyway.
1: You know what I'm gonna say, don't you? I was like.
0: That little, in that meeting, you made me look like I was the lazy bastard. It's men. Just to conclude on that, that wasn't like one in a million, and you believe that the reason that happened was the mindset from the start?
2: I think it's a massive part of it. You know, another one, the previous um, corporate finance house that I was a partner in, which I left after not too long because I realised there was a lack of values match uh, between me and the other partners, Um, but the belief let's call it that uh, in that business was sixty to seventy percent of corporate finance fees end up in dispute jeez and guess really? what yeah and guess what their statistic was
1: sixty seventy exactly because yeah, that's under. always
2: how it had been in the different firms the various partners had always been in in being partners I, honestly, we have no disputes
0: well, I like what you say very much. I have uh, many clients so I'm sure are very keen to get turned down by you <laughs> <laughs>
1: And now, a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Ori Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy. they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Aury Clark was born and raised right here in the UK, and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Bori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935.
1: Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat.
0: So let's do the quick fire questions. This is where we're going to hit you with some questions that hopefully you know the answers to. They're all pretty, uh, pretty um, personal. How, how quickfire are we? Is it one well, word? Well, we can say I... five seconds an answer, but we've ne- we haven't managed to get through the fuckers quickly because everyone always answers, and we're like, "What was your first job?" And we can't. We're like, oh, really? You're a beekeeper?" Anyway, <laughs> so okay, DQ's music, please.
1: What was your
2: first job? First job? Well, okay. Again, okay, what do you mean by that? Um, so first
1: uh, proper job. First, first proper way. job.
2: Okay, because the first way of earning money was um, busking. Um, the first. Po- whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa <laughs> busking. Let's put that one down.
0: <laughs> what did you busk as? Uh,
2: I uh, had a ukulele banjo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ukulele banjo. What street? Did you? Was your favourite? Well, I, I grew up
2: in uh, that part of my life in Kent, uh, in the Medway towns. So. Oh, right. oh okay. okay.
0: So if anyone was in a particular town. Like a travelling troubadour. What kind of year do I need to be? In oh what my town? good god, seventy. That's <laughs> this seems Eight, if in 1978, if you saw a man in a daring shirt playing a ukulele doing in the street George, in Kent, Doing
2: George Formby impressions, which George meant something Formby. in 1978, but probably wow,
0: doesn't fantastic. They hadn't invented hip-hop yet, well, they just about had. <laughs> so what, a first proper job after that?
2: First proper job, uh, I would have to say, is manning the phones of the customer complaints line for the Furniture uh, Department of Harrods. Fucking hell!
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on! Oh, they
2: that had that many complaints. There was a whole department just for the furniture. I'm sure they're perfect nowadays. I used to
0: have a Mercedes, and I remember going to the Mercedes service garage, and there was a queue. Everyone before me was like, "Oh, I am incredibly important, and I'm just outraged that something small is broken on my incredibly expensive car." By the time she got to me, number five, I was like, "Hey, look, you know what? I'm not really bothered. You know, you don't, you don't even." Need. Was it like that? It at Harrods, though, entirely I like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Sebastian do be quiet I'm on the phone <laughs> so I, I, I learned a degree of robustness in terms of interactions with customers in that job so. rich bastards <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah the trouble is they can afford the lawyers so watch out <laughs> uh, what was your worst first job first job was being an actor
1: what was your kind of niche? Yeah, what's
0: your style? Well, I ended up
2: in, which I did not plan to do, but I ended up in musical theatre.
1: I was about to say musical theatre wow. you ended up in, did, you did,
2: did. So you
0: can sing a little.
2: I could. You could. Yeah, the yeah. last time I opened my mouth to sing was at one of my kids' carol services a few years ago and I realised that, that the you voice know. that I <laughs> have is not the voice that I have anymore. Oh longer. my God, yeah, it's a muscle. You've
0: got to exercise it. Uh,
1: Favourite subject at school?
2: Favourite subject at school uh, It was actually classics, so Latin and ancient Greek. Oh,
0: we're in good company
1: here. Is that right? Okay.
2: what we like. Why? Because I genuinely found it interesting. And for some sad reason, I also found it the easiest of the subjects, which meant it took Particularly
1: ancient Greek, bizarrely, is easier than, oh, than You're.
2: A, you're a, oh, a, I did it at university. So did I. So I went on to do yeah. it all the way through uni. What's your special skill? <laughs> um, energy. Oh. Uh, based on research done with clients and work colleagues energy. over the years and said, in a hipe word, what, what is it? Well, hipe hipe I energise things, apparently. I re-energise things sometimes with, with clients. So that's my positioning. Did word.
0: you go home and tell your wife this? <laughs> <laughs> She was like, bollocks, you do. (laughs) Well, you've obviously left it all at the office because there's no energising going on here, you know.
1: I think you've answered this, but what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: An actor and a writer, actually. And
2: what did your parents want you to be? Happy.
1: Oh, really? Hon-
2: honestly, this I grew up in the military. My father was a regular soldier. My mother had been, was the daughter of a regular soldier. So they, oh, they both had hell. that background. And when I, I said I wanted to be an actor, I think my mom was actually really quite pleased because she had that sort of slightly artistic bent of her own. And my father, bless him, all, all he said was, I have no idea why you'd want to do that. But if it's what you want to do, it's fine by me. So,
0: wow. That's so it couldn't That's have been more Also the worst advice you were ever given. I think we might have an answer to a later question because what he should have said, it's a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> You're going to end up on a bus with a
1: What's your go to karaoke song?
2: <laughs> uh, Mr. Cellophane from
0: Chicago. Ooh.
1: Okay. I, that was I to I might to we might need to I hear
0: like, these songs, you know. I've oh, no idea what i, well, I, only, I It, I was, my, I it go
2: was my go-to audition song when I was auditioning to be an actor, and I always got a job when I ended can up doing d- Mr. Seven. Can you
0: hum a few bars? No, I cannot.
2: <laughs> 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 I, I can give you the crucial lines, which is is all about being uh, inconsequential and invisible, so I don't know what that says about me. But, oh, so. the reverse
0: psychology worked, <laughs> worked well, maybe. Office dogs, business or bullshit?
2: Business, definitely. Thank you very much. Not just, We've got Sorry, I mean, I... If you walk around Bean partners some days you will see more than one dog walking around. Okay, and, uh... very good.
1: Have you ever been fired?
2: Yes, I have. It was a sales job. I was selling Teletext, which again ages me.
1: Whoa, 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 Did you work at Teletext?
0: My my old girlfriend went there for years. all oh, right the well no, in, I... um, uh, Chelsea Harbour they were in. No,
2: I was near Oxford Circus ah. in one of those sort of boiler room outfits and I knew I was essentially going to be ripping people off and that's where I learned I can't sell something I don't believe in. So I would get up to all hijinks of uh, calling my answer phone at home in, in order to get my call cool stats up. Oh, fantastic. And
1: these, like call centre things. Yeah, yeah, yeah boi- boiler did, room. Um, I did a BT one in Bristol.
0: What's your vice? Oh, boring answer. It's wine. Oh, good answer. Everyone so far has been like, oh. Well, I you don't know, really have I, advice. I, I do too many press ups sometimes. In one of my
2: many part-time jobs in my acting days, I ended up as a part-time assistant in an old bin store, and I don't know if you remember Ooh, old bins upon a time. They were a really uh, great business uh, actually, and they took it so seriously that it didn't matter how few hours a week you worked, you had to go on a wine, spirits, and education trust course so that you could best advise the. Uh, uh, the customers and they
0: began a very expensive lifetime hobby so. my friend got fired from odd bins he was asked <laughs> sorry he was asked to do some DJing while they had an open uh, wine thing, as it were, you know, and and he put a bloody CD player on, and the bloke said, "Only thing I'm saying, no curse words, yeah." And he buggered off the bar on the back for a, a fag, and the song by Funkin', Funkin' Dubious came on, "Pussy ain't shit but lips and clits." Oh <laughs> by the time he got he back, by the time he got back inside, he lost his job. I love that big up, Al. I always enjoyed that story. Anyway, now we talk about uh, what is business or bullshit. Have you thought of something that we can discuss? Um, well, the devil the devil in me wanted to say business podcasts. but Ooh, so,
2: let's do it. We're no, we not really No, listen, you? I love podcasts, listen. so I, I knew We're I, I
0: wouldn't... We're an entertainment show. I wouldn't be able to keep we a straight
1: face. We told that by one, of, our, one of the people on the podcast said, <laughs> well, you're not really business, are you? You're more entertainment. <laughs> I, I thought I was very
0: flattered.
2: I was quite hurt. He was flattered. <laughs> no, that, was a, that was a flippant answer. No, I'll tell you what came to mind uh, immediately, actually based on experience, too, too much too, uh, quite recently, which is businesses that um, offer wellness programs mm. and hire wellness professionals and they offer desk yoga and all this stuff and they're happy for their staff to be chained to their desk or their laptop till 11 o'clock every night.
1: But it's business. fine because they've got a wellness Because they're programme. doing
2: that, and that is bullshit.
0: Yeah. So it's in uh, us as a business just buying in some product to say, oh, well, that's that then. Is that what you mean? Yeah, or, kind of, or, the, I mean, or the business, the wellness company itself that offers wellness, meanwhile, you know, works... Well, it's the, it's
2: the business that's prepared for their staff to work hours that are just never going to be good for anybody. Yeah. And then think, oh, well, we can compensate for that. And, you know, maybe may just be window dressing, but let's give them some desk
0: yoga yeah, yeah. or something. It's, it's just or nonsense. a stand-up
1: sit-down desk.
0: It's nothing on the stand up sit down desks no uh, we actually we're not into long hours here either i, got I mean do long hours if you want and we tr- try and make you know as in a, as a partner once you're once you're you know if you want to be a workaholic like my old man and somehow i've become a bit but you know but generally speaking yeah we don't want our staff no, staying exactly. late we don't you know? we
2: don't and we will challenge people if they, they start to make a habit of, of staying beyond a certain point and i'm talking about seven o'clock in the evening and i'm not talking about 11 o'clock at night yeah that's yeah, not, yeah it's not right i don't believe you get high performance out of people that way
0: i agree our is that within the sector, whether it be legal and accounting, the, you know, people do this thing where they just look at the wage packet to decide jobs. And what people now do, because the hours aren't clear, is they do a oh, core hours at 10 to 4. And then we'll be like, well, to be honest, we're more like, yeah, just get a full day's work done and then like you're done, sort of thing. Or, you know, we still have the same core hours, but you end up in this weird game and you try and explain to someone, look, I can't tell you for sure, but I'm pretty sure you're gonna go there and work like a dog. You know, but yeah, I see what you mean. Effectively, it's window dressing. It's eco-dressing. Or you know. throwing
1: money at something and then so that you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, anyone. exactly.
0: It's just missing the point. There's well, a deeper issue there. But do you believe that we can always get it done in the hours, you know?
2: Well, back to the mindset thing. Yeah, I totally, completely and utterly do. I have one longstanding client who's a chum these days. Um, he's, the, he's now the exec chairman. He's just pushed himself upstairs um, of a 500 million pound turnover business. And he does about 38 hours a week. No, does he just happen to do thirty? No, not at all. Once upon a time, of course, he was doing seventy hours a week, but he consciously worked on it. And yeah, there's you know execution skills and productivity skills and all that. But you know the number one skill is how you look at it. I had, a, I had another client that I challenged on this, a young guy who was doing about eighty hours a, a week, and I, I saw him on the screen one day on a Zoom call, and he black ground the eyes and all these kinds of things. Um, and he said, "I said, oh, I can't. I have to. I have to. I have to." And I just challenged him to the point um, to say, "Well, just make a decision." And he made a decision to work forty hours a week. And two weeks later, he's back on the Zoom. He's looking 10 years younger. And he's going, I can't tell you what's changed other than I just am not doing some stuff and I'm saying no to other things. And I'm just focused on those bits that add the greatest value. And I haven't given it much more thought than that other than I made a decision that I'm going to do this. Saying no to hours.
0: stuff, that's really difficult.
1: But it's also, you know, that it is that thing of, yes, yeah, some days I'm really, really busy. And other days I'll get to six o'clock and I don't really have anything to do. Yep. I'm just going to fucking go home. Like, I'm not going to hang around and do you know do bits and pieces I've noticed if I don't have to no but why would I and then some days you've got to work late or you've got to come in at 7 or you got to I don't do know well.
0: I, I live in a slightly different world but 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 my dad has this problem and and I think I do and to be honest I think it's got a name and I think it just comes up all the time as a term it's it's just this ADHD kind of I have to fill my diet, I have to like you, you know I have a fucking issue because it yeah, doesn't make any is, fucking sense
1: an, you've got you've got to recognize that's an issue because I I used to do this thing and I still do it occasionally where everything gets too much, you get really, really stressed, you're waking up at 4am and looking at emails and replying. When I start replying to emails at 4am, I know I need to go on holiday. Yeah. Yeah like and just does the stop. computer tell you that no i just like I'm last like, night okay we need I've, to chat i found know, this holiday online i've gone crazy
0: there is research into this
2: you know which which makes the point we become physiologically addicted to being busy yeah. and just not knowing what to do with these gaps there was something i read last year there's a piece of research that had been done in the states that they reckon for the first time the average life expectancy of babies being born today is less than that of their parents yeah but they reckon that's because they are going to be burning themselves out through not having recovery periods and just constantly filling oh every moment you know
1: the people that really that i really worry about are the people that don't ever go on holiday and you get to the end of the year my old FD was like this. She gets the end of the year and she'd have, you know, twenty-five days holiday that she hadn't taken. Yeah. And you'd say, "You really need to take that." And she's like, "I can't because I can't leave it's the business." A, a, so you
0: fucking. Well, I, can. Wish, I wish I hadn't taken this holiday. Oh, I don't want to feel that, but no, I sort of wish I hadn't because I do today because I just feel like you know, even a few days has set me back. But if if you're saying it's a mindset, therefore, therefore, what you're saying for everyone is is that don't feel that you have even for entrepreneurs, you'd say this. I'm, I'm a it's star a business. It's
2: a choice. And, you know, I acknowledge the different parts of the life cycle as sort of more of a likelihood. But again, beware for forming beliefs around this stuff and getting institutionalized, uh, uh, institutionalized about it. I, um, I, I met with an FX trading business a few years ago um, who, you know, you would expect that to be a kind of manic, crazy kind of Up environment, all that yeah. sort of stuff. And I walked in and it was like a library. And I challenged the owner and I said, what the hell's going on here? Is business terrible or something? And he said, no, I consciously built this business to feel calm and to feel a certain way. And I did not... Not let people come in and just buy into this belief in the industry that it has to be like that.
1: That's yeah. the other thing you're talking about, right? Which is, you can't change the underlying kind of ethos and experience of a business just by buying in some wellness for somebody. No, that's just you know, I, I blame you. culture is a big thing, and yeah. you you know you have to build it's a cultural it from the, choice from yeah. the top and bottom up.
0: No, it's a good speech. I I blame email a little bit because how that feels, he's so anxious now that this and the people are. Well, you haven't, you know, you'd say, oh, look, people are just, people fucking are not imagining the fact they want to reply quickly. I know, you know, I know.
2: What I used to, in, in, in the last business that I uh, ran, I mean, I sort of run Bean Partners to, to a degree, but um, the last B2B media business that I ran where we had you know, a lot of people constantly got newcomers in, I'd sit in my desk as the CEO and wait for a new starter who'd come in and had his first bit of induction, or you know, he or she, and they sit at their desk, and I'd, as soon as I could see they were um, sort of up and running, I would send them an email from my office and say, could you pop in and see me, please? And 99 out of 100 times, they'd be through my door within a minute And I'd say, let's sit down and talk about time management. Yeah, okay. Good trick. Because by doing that, you have just effectively said that anybody out there in the whole wide world who has your contact details has the right to prioritize your time.
1: Yeah, but the problem is, like, there is a problem with professional services, right? Sure. Because that is what the clients freaking expect, is that you are there...
0: It's, to be to be fair, having been on the other side of it, it matters a lot when you're the client because you've got a problem, you're worrying about sure. it. You know, I want to I reply. mean, I have
1: had clients, I've said this before, I've had clients have an in- almighty fit because they sent me an email at 10.30 and I didn't reply until the next morning because I'd already gone to bed. Sure.
2: Again, it's just that to me, that's a choice. You know, we, you know when we're running a deal, guess what? Yeah, sometimes then you've got to be high, highly, highly reactive. But you know what? Most of the time... You really don't. So it comes back to the right right clients, the right education around the clients about what the expectations are. It's not okay to email at the weekend and expect to get a response. If you want one of those companies that does that, we'll go and work with one of those. But
0: that's yeah. not how we work. For the listeners at home, he has a wonderfully relaxing uh, shirt on as well. <laughs> so, I, and so it's the happiness uh, relaxing index. You sort of, you know, you come in. Do you have a yoga mat?
2: Out of interest, I don't, I don't have a yoga mat. Tonight. What do you do to relax? Uh, walking. Okay. I walk. You walk. Walk by the river with my dogs. Okay, very nice. What sort of yeah. dogs you got? Uh,
0: a poodle and a couple of greyhounds. Oh, wow, fantastic! A full size poodle then must be to keep a full
2: size poodle. Yeah, we thought he was a rescue dog, and uh, we were told he was a cocker and then he just kept
0: growing <laughs> and
2: uh, we got him DNA tested and he was a poodle and you might you might find it vaguely amusing that the one dog I had always said all my life I would never have would be a poodle. Why? Because I was totally prejudiced against them because of the way they get sculpted and you know bob- yeah. the fluffiness. bobbly bits yeah. and all yeah. so that. So clever and
0: interesting. Oh, yeah. But they're such lovely dogs and so he's he's a big squirrel. And then the greyhounds just... sort of run up and down and get exhausted in line. Yeah
2: they get exhausted in, in about a minute or two so they just spend their lives sleeping.
0: That's very Good. So we had two there. We had basically... Bollocks to the rules. Just calm down in your business and and do what it is. And B, don't buy some bullshit thing to patch up. Patch up, you know, some bullshit app is not going to make people oh, no. feel okay. Just
2: authentically care about your people. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then you'll yeah. end up with a different business.
0: Um, so that's it. So, uh, what? Uh, just, just, how do we find your company or pit, pitch yourself there? Uh, well, um, you know, you don't need to pitch yourself, but you know, explain to people how they should find you and what what to do.
2: Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't think I need to do the pitch, do I? I've probably sort of. met. Made- no, no, I think so. you?
1: I think you're right. I think we said the word Bean Partners <laughs> several hundred if you've times. If
0: you just tuned in please go back to the beginning.
2: So yeah, I mean Bean Partners there's a website if you you put in Bean Partners you'll find it go on LinkedIn put in Bean
0: Partners you'll you'll find And
2: I'm trying to raise money I hit you up uh, yeah, come talk to us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. If you want, if
0: you want to sell your business, who do you go to in one of these businesses? Do you go? Do you go low for the young people, or do you go to the big man, or do you go to the secretary? well in being Partners? Yeah, well, yeah, let's do you. Well, well,
2: yeah. no, well, no, no, wrong door. But you know, we, we are consciously and deliberately of a certain size the partners work directly with clients. We don't get clients on and then pass straight down to somebody that's straight out of college to do the work. We work with clients directly, so yeah, I love hearing from clients.
0: Great stuff. Uh, So that's it. Uh, So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. And we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao.